0: Section 19 of The Hohenzollerns in America by Stephen Leacock. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Other Impossibilities 3. The Discovery of America, Being Done into Moving Pictures and Out Again. No greater power for education, said President Sherman the other day, has come among us during the last forty years than the moving picture. I am not certain that it was President Sherman and he may not have said it the other day. Nor do I feel absolutely sure that he referred to the last forty years. Indeed, now that I come to think of it, I don't believe it was Sherman. In fact, it may have been ex-President Elliot. Or was it, perhaps, President Hadley of Yale? Or did I say it myself? Judging by the accuracy and force of the language, I think I must have." I doubt if Sherman or Hadley could have put it quite so neatly. There's a touch about it that I recognize. But let that pass. At any rate, it is something that everybody is saying and thinking. All our educators have turned their brains towards the possibility of utilizing moving pictures for the purpose of education. It is being freely said that history and geography, and even arithmetic, instead of being taught by the slow and painful process of books and memory, can be imparted through the eye. I had no sooner heard of this idea than I became impassioned to put it into practice. I have therefore prepared, or am preparing, a film, especially designed for the elementary classes of our schools, to narrate the story of the discovery of America." this i should like the reader to sit and see with me in the eye of his imagination but let me first give the plain unvarnished account of the discovery of america as i took it from one of our school histories christopher columbus otherwise Cristoforo colombo the celebrated discoverer of america was born of poor but honest parents in the italian city of genoa his mother teresa colombo seems to have been a woman of great piety and intelligence. Of his father, Bartolomeo Colombo, nothing is recorded. From his earliest youth, the boy Christopher developed a passion for mathematics, astronomy, geodesy, and the other sciences of the day. But no, stop, I am going too fast. The reader will get it better if we turn it into pictures bit by bit as we go on. Let the reader, therefore, imagine himself seated before the curtain in the lighted theater. All ready? Very good. Let the music begin. Star Spangled Banner, please. Flip off the lights. Now then. Discovery of America, authorized by the Board of Censors of New York State. There we are. That gives the child the correct historical background right away. Now, what goes on next? Let me see. Ah, yes, of course we throw an announcement on the screen, thus, Christopher Columbus, Mr. Quinn. Here the face of Mr. Quinn, in the bowler hat, is thrown on the screen and fades out again. We follow him up with, Spirit of America, Miss E. Dickinson. Now we are ready to begin in earnest. Let us make the scenario together. First idea to be expressed, Christopher Columbus was the son of poor but honest parents. This might seem difficult to a beginner, but to those of us who frequent the movies it is nothing. The reel spins and we see a narrow room. It is always narrow in the movies, to indicate straitened circumstances. Cardboard furniture, high chairs with carved backs, two cardboard beams across the ceiling—all this means the Middle Ages— a long dinner-table, all the little Columbuses seated at it. Teresa Columbo cutting bread at one end of it. Gives a slice to each, one slice. That means poverty in the movies. Teresa rolls her eyes up. All the little children put their hands together and say, Grace, this registers honesty. The thing is done. Let us turn back to the history book and see what is to be put in next. THE FATHER OF CHRISTOPHER, Bartolomeo Colombo WAS A MAN OF NO ESPECIAL TALENT OF WHOM NOTHING IS RECORDED. THAT'S EASY. FIRST WE ANNOUNCE HIM ON THE SCREEN. Bartolomeo Colombo, MR. HENDERSON. THEN WE STICK HIM ON THE FILM ON A CORNER OF THE ROOM, LEANING UP AGAINST THE CARDBOARD CLOCK AND LOOKING AT THE CHILDREN. THIS ATTITUDE IN THE MOVIES ALWAYS INDICATES A SECONDARY CHARACTER OF NO IMPORTANCE. His business is to look at the others and to indicate forgetfulness of self, incompetence, unimportance, vacuity, simplicity. Note how this differs from the attitude of important characters. If a movie character, one of importance, is plotting or scheming, he seats himself at a little round table, drums on it with his fingers, and half closes one eye. If he is being talked to, or having a letter or document or telegram read to him, he stands facing full and working his features up and down to indicate emotion sweeping over them. If he is being exposed, which is done by pointing fingers at him, he hunches up like a snake in an angle of the room with both eyes half shut and his mouth set as if he had just eaten a lemon.' but if he has none of these things to express, and is only in the scene as a background for the others, then he goes over and leans in an easy attitude against the tall cardboard clock. That, then, is the place for Bartomoleo Colombo. To the clock with him. Now what comes next? The young Christopher developed at an early age a passion for study, and especially for astronomy, geometry, geodesy, and the exact science of the day. Quite easy. On spins the film. Young Christopher in a garret room. All movie study is done in garrets. The cardboard ceiling slopes within six inches of his head. This shows that the boy never rises from his books. He can't. On a table in front of him is a little globe and a pair of compasses. Christopher spins the globe round then he makes two circles with the compasses, one after the other, very carefully. This is the recognized movie symbol for mathematical research. So there we have Christopher, poor, honest, studious, full of circles. Now to the book again. The young Columbus received his education at the Monastery of the Franciscan Monks at Genoa. Here he spent seven years." Yes, but we can put that on the screen in seven seconds. Turn on the film. Movie monastery, exterior done in gray cardboard. Ding-dong, ding-dong, man in the orchestra with a triangle and stick. Procession of movie friars, faces more like thugs, but never mind. They are friars because they walk two and two in a procession, singing out of hymn-books. Now for the book again. Fra Giacomo, THE PRIOR OF THE MONASTERY, DELIGHTED WITH THE BOY'S PROGRESS, ENCOURAGES HIS STUDIES. WAIT A MINUTE. Fra GIACOMO, MR. EDWARD SIMS. MR. SIMS'S FACE, CLEAN SHAVED UNDER A ROUND HAT, FADES IN AND OUT. THEN THE PICTURE GOES ON. MOVIE MONASTERY INTERIOR, YOUNG CHRISTOPHER, STILL AT A TABLE WITH COMPASSES, BENEVOLENT FRIAR BENDING OVER HIM. Christopher turns the compasses, and looks up with a what-do-you-know-about-that look, astonishment and delight of Friar, registered by opening his eyes like a bullfrog. All this shows study, progress, application. The Friars are delighted with the boy. Christopher, after seven years of study, reaches the firm conviction that the world is round. Picture, Christopher, with his globe, jumps up from table, Passes his fingers round and round the globe, registers the joy of invention, seats himself at table, and draws circles with his compasses furiously. He fades out. Fired with his discovery, Christopher sets out from the monastery. Stop a minute. This is a little hard. Fired. How can we show Christopher fired? We can't. Perhaps he'll be fired if the film is no good, but we must omit it just now he sets out. One second only for this. Monastery door, double cardboard with iron across it. Christopher leaving. Carries a wallet to mean distance. Fra Giacomo blessing him. Fade out. For eighteen years Columbus vainly travelled through the world on foot, offering his discovery at the courts of Europe in vain, Though asking nothing in return for it except a fleet of ships, two hundred men, and provisions for two years. To anybody not used to scenarios, this looks like a large order. Eighteen years seems difficult to put on the screen. In reality, this is exactly where the trained movie man sees his chance. Here he can put in anything and everything that he likes, bringing in, in a slightly medieval form, all his favorite movie scenes. Thus, for example, here we have first the good old midnight cabaret supper scene, thinly disguised as the court of the King of Sardinia. To turn a cabaret into a court, the movie men merely exchange their Fifth Avenue evening dress for short coats and knee-breeches, heavily wadded and quilted, and wear large wigs. Quilted pants and wigs register courtiers, the courtiers of anybody Charlemagne, Queen Elizabeth, Peter the Great, Louis Quatorze, anybody and everybody who ever had courtiers. Just as men with bare legs mean Romans, men in pea-jackets mean detectives, and young men drunk in evening dress, Harvard graduates. The ladies at the court of Sardinia wear large paper frills round their necks, Otherwise it is the cabaret scene with the familiar little tables, and the ukuleles going like mad in one corner, and black sarsaparilla being poured foaming into the glasses. In this scene Columbus moves up and down, twirling his little globe and looking appealingly on their faces. All laugh at him. His part is just the same as that of the poor little girl trying to sell upstate violets in the midnight cabaret. The court of Sardinia fades, and the film shows Columbus vainly soliciting financial aid from Lorenzo the Magnificent. Stop one minute, please. Lorenzo the Magnificent, Mr. L. Evans. This scene again is old and familiar. It is the well-known interior representing the grinding capitalist, or the bitter banker refusing to aid the boy genius who has invented a patent pea-rake. The only change is that lorenzo wears a huge wig has no telephone and handles a large quill pen to register middle ages which he wiggles furiously up and down on a piece of parchment so the eighteen years with scenes of this sort turn out the easiest part of the whole show but let us look to the book again after eighteen years columbus now past the prime of life is presented at the court of queen isabella of spain just half a moment queen isabella miss janet briggs there will be very probably at this point a slight applause from the back of the hall miss briggs was here last week or her astral body was as maggie of the cattle ranges the impression that she made is passed on to isabella the queen and her consort king ferdinand of aragon Stop. Stick him on the film. Ferdinand of Aragon, Mr. Edward Giles. Large wig, flat velvet cap, and square whiskers. Same makeup as for Ferdinand of Bulgaria, Ferdinand of Bohemia, or any of the Ferdinands. Were immediately seized with enthusiasm for the marvelous discovery of the Genoese adventurer. Picture Columbus hands his globe to Isabella and his compasses to Ferdinand. They register delight and astonishment. The queen turns the globe round and round, and holds it up to Ferdinand. Both indicate with their faces, Well, what do you know about this? Ferdinand makes a circle with the compasses on a table. The courtiers, fickle creatures, crowd around. They are still dressed as in Sardinia eighteen years ago. In fact, one recognizes quite a lot of them." When Ferdinand draws the circle, they fall back in wild astonishment, gesticulating frantically. What they mean is, It's a circle! It's a circle! The king and queen at once place three ships at the disposal of Columbus. On with the picture. The harbour of the port of Palos. Ships bobbing up and down. It is really the oyster boats in Baltimore Bay, but it looks just like Palos, or near enough notice queen isabella on the right at the top of a flight of steps extending her hand and looking at columbus her gesture means pick a ship any ship you like any colour just as if she were saying pick a card any card you like we turn again to the history christopher columbus now arrived at the height of his desire sets out upon his memorable voyage accompanied by a hundred companions in three caravels the pinta the nina and the espiritu santo ah here we have the movie work the real thing cardboard caravel tossing on black water seen first right close to us we are almost on board of it notice the movie sailors with black whiskers and bare feet bare feet in the movies always means a sailor and black whiskers mean spaniards now we see the caravel a little way out whoop how she bobs up and down they give her that jolt it's done with the machine itself to mean danger there are all three caravels hoop see them go up and down stormy night coming all right see the sun setting in the west over the water They are heading straight for it. Good night, Columbus. Take care of yourself out there in the blackness. During the voyage, Columbus remained continually on deck. Sleeping at the prow, his face towards the new world, he saw already in his dreams the accomplishment of his hopes. On goes the picture— Christopher on the prow of the caravel. In the movies a prow is made by putting two little board fences together and propping up a bowsprit lengthwise over them. Columbus sits up, peers intently into the darkness, his hand to his brow, registers a look. Do I see America? No. Lies down, shuts his eyes, and falls into an instantaneous movie sleep. His face fades out slowly to music, which means that he is going to dream then on the screen the announcement is shown, Spirit of America, Miss E. Dickinson. And here we have Miss Dickinson floating in the air above Columbus. She wears nothing except mosquito netting, but she has got on enough of it to get past the censor of the state of New York. Just enough, apparently. Miss E. Dickinson is joined by a whole group of Miss Dickinson's all in white mosquito netting. They go through a series of beautiful evolutions, floating over the sleeping figure of Columbus. The dance they do is meant to typify, or rather to signify. As a matter of fact, we needn't worry much about what it signified. It is an allegory done in white mosquito netting. That is generally held to be quite enough. Let us go back to the book. After a storm-tossed voyage of three months, wait a bit, turn on the picture again and toss the caravels up and down, during which the food supply threatened to fail. Put that on the screen, please, Columbus surrounded by ten sailors, dividing up a potato. The caravels arrived in safety at the beautiful island of San Salvador. Columbus, bearing the banner of Spain, stepped first ashore surrounded by a wondering crowd of savages he prostrated himself upon the beach and kissed the soil of the new world that he had discovered all this is so easy that it's too easy it runs into pictures of itself anybody accustomed to the movies can see columbus with his banner and the movie savages hopping up and down around him movie savages are gay gladsome creatures anyway and hopping up and down is their chief mode of expressing themselves. Add to them a sandy beach, with palm-trees waving visibly in the wind, it is always windy in the movies, and the thing is done. Just one further picture is needed to complete the film. Columbus, who returned to Europe to lay at the feet of the Spanish sovereigns, the world he had discovered, fell presently under the disfavour of the court, and died in poverty and obscurity, a victim of the ingratitude of princes. Last picture. Columbus dying under the poignant circumstances known only in the movies, a garret-room, ceiling lower than ever, a truckle-bed narrow enough to kill him if all else failed, Teresa Columbo, his aged mother, alone at his bedside, she offers him medicine in a long spoon. This shows, if nothing else would, that the man is ill. He shakes his head, puts out his hand, and rests it on the little globe, reaches feebly for his compasses, can't manage it, rolls up his eyes and fades. The music plays softly, and the inexorable film, like the reel of life itself, spins on, announcing, At this theatre, all next week, maggie may and walter curran in is it worth it and after that i can imagine the audience dispersing and the now educated children going off to their homes and one saying as he enters gee i seen a great picture show at school to-day yes says his mother and what was it oh it was all about a gink that went round the cabarets trying to sell an invention what he'd got but nobody wouldn't look at it till at last one dame gave him three oyster-boats, see, and so he and a lot of other guys loaded them up and hiked off across the ocean. And where did he go to? Africa, and he and the other guys had a great stand-in with the natives, and he'd have sold his invention all right, but one old dame got him alone in a hut and poisoned him and took it off him. That, I think, is about the way the film would run. When it is finished, I must get President Sherman, or whoever it was, to come and see it. End of section 19